Well, good morning, my friends. This is podcast number 433 for December, Tuesday, December 7th. We're in First John. Grab your Bibles and your notepads. We're moving right along. We're going to be looking in First um, John 3 today, but let's look at our memory verses. Memory verses are in First John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And it says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So let's go back to First John chapter 3. In uh, chapter 1, we talked about Jesus being the word of life. And uh, in chapter 2, he's our advocate. He's the one that we can go to when we struggle John tells us that we need to love one another and not love the world. And then in chapter 2, he warns us about uh, false teachers and antichrists who are in the world. And then as we get into the end of chapter 2, beginning with verse 28, um, he uses this term, children of God, which is used by about six times in John. And what he's trying to do is to get our attention and to help us to realize that we are not of this world, and the things that are happening in our lives, um, as far as spiritual things, as far as uh, godly things, are because we're children of God. Not because we turned over a new leaf, or not because we've, we're the new and improved model, or not because we're just trying to be a better version of ourselves, but we have died to ourselves, Romans says, and we're alive in Christ. So let's look at verse 28. It says, and now, little children, abide in him. Underline abide. I want you to do a little homework and go to John chapter 15 this week. And look at what it means to abide. When Jesus is talking about the branches and he's talking about the vines and his father being the pruner, uh, the one who, who prunes away the things that are unnecessary, and even things sometimes that are good, so that uh, growth can come to the to the vines that he wants to strengthen in those areas. Um, it says, abide in him so that when he appears, now it's kind of um, wild here, but in these in these in this section, he talks about Christ's return. Um, and when he's talking about Christ's return, he's talking about for the church, right? So this would be, in my estimation, this would be about the rapture where God is going to send his son back to to get his church. It says, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Now, why would we shrink back? He's going to go into that. It's because our lives do not match up with his life, and he is the example. His righteousness is uh, the example. And so verse uh, 29, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. And when we're talking about practicing righteousness, we're not talking about doing good works. We're talking about living a righteous life with Christ, our righteous one, as our example. And so he says, you can be sure he's righteous, and you can be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now, practicing righteousness means going about in our life and, and living according to the plan of God. And that's why we go back to verse 28 and we talk about abiding in him. Christ has called us to follow him. He's 
called us to abide in him. He's called us to follow him. He's called us to abide in him. And in that abiding, the growth comes because we're attached to him. And so life comes through him. In in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1, right here, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. So underline uh, love of God there in chapter 3, verse 1. It says the love of, God, uh, love of the Father. So the Father loves us. Then go over to chapter three, verse, uh, chapter three, verse four says, "Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he, meaning Christ, appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So, so Father loves us. The Son died for us. There, chapter uh, three, verses four and five and six." And then you turn to uh, <clears throat> verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in us, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Uh, there in, in verse 9, the Holy Spirit abides in us. So the Father loves us, the Son died for us, and the Holy Spirit abides in us. I mean, you see the Trinity at work within us. So back to verse 3, it says, see what kind of love the Father has um, has given to us that we may be called the children of God. And so uh, we are. The reason why the world does not know him is that it did not, uh, does not know us, is that it did not know him. Now turn to John chapter 1. Same author. John chapter 1, he just says this in a in a little bit different way about us being the children of God. Because we need to understand that this, not everybody in this world is a child of God. They're created by God. But what makes a person who's created by God a child of God? Let's look at John chapter 1 and verse 10. It says, Jesus, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Back to what he says in in 1 John, he says, they do not know us because they did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What takes a created being and makes that created being a son or daughter, a child of God? It's belief in and living for Jesus Christ. So that is the key that that John is saying here. And he's using this um, in the sense of, hey, you're the children of God and Christ is coming back. Therefore, we need to cleanse ourselves. Cleansing ourselves means that we need to not be partaking in things that he's removed from our lives. We need to be in this ongoing sanctification process where the word of God is washing us, John 17, 17, sanctifying us and washing us and we're applying it to our lives. And does, does, does me saying that and it saying it in the word make it easy? Absolutely not, because we have the adversary, the devil, who's the Bible says is, is running about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we have our flesh that even though we're supposed to be dead to our flesh, continues to crop up. And so we have to deal with our flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. 
We have to deal with these issues. And we deal with them not by trying to buffet our bodies, as the pagans do, and bringing them under submission. What we do is we read the Word of God, we apply the Word of God, we pray and we talk to God. It is a it is an ongoing process. I mean, if you look at Paul, Paul's teaching in, in Romans 7, I believe it is in Romans 7 and even into Romans 8, he says, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do, I don't do. Who will save me? What a wretched man I am. And he said, but thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who gives us that power and gives us that strength and gives us that ability to live for him. So verse two, beloved, we are God's children now. So present tense, we're his ch- uh, children. And what we will be has not yet uh, has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Turn to uh, Acts chapter one. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. At his ascension, Jesus is leaving them. Verse 9, it says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking uh, on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking to heaven? This Jesus, I think the King James says, this same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven, which I believe um, is a picture of Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, and Jesus coming through on the clouds. He left in the clouds. He'll return in the clouds. He left uh, as the the conquering savior. He's going to return as the conquering judge at one time, but he's going to come back for the church. And because of this, what should we do? Verse three, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. See, there's, there's God's work in us, and then there's our Uh, our work as well. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So there is this... this. Uh, process of seeking those things which are above. We need to focus on those things which are above. Too many times um, we're reading books and self-help books about how we need to deal with this and how we need to deal with that. And I just believe that, that Colossians 3 is one of the huge answers. And it says that we are to 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 fix our gaze on things which are above. We're, we're now seated with Christ. Our position is is with Christ, and we're seated with Christ, and the rest of our life in this flesh, on this earth, is that we are making our life match up with our position. So our profession of faith needs to match up with our position of faith. We are in Christ. So let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 
and then 4 verse 1. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to him. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. He said we need to, we need to uh, be looking up and, and looking for this return of Christ, our Savior, who is going to transform our lowly bodies into bodies just like his. That is, that is what God is going to do for us. And this is amazing. And that takes us back to First uh, John 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, seated with Christ. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we should be like him because we shall see him as he is. He will transform our lowly bodies. The, I believe this is, again, talking about this, the rapture that will take place. And, and as the rapture takes place, there's a change that's going to happen to our physical bodies because uh, flesh and blood cannot inherit uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, Peter says we're not born of corruptible seed, but we'll be born of incorruptible seed because of what Christ has done. Now let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Again, we are looking for his return, and because we're looking for his return, we don't want to be men and women of shame, but we want to be men and women who do not shrink back, but look forward to his coming. And how is that possible? It's with the daily, ongoing living for Christ. It is reading the word, applying the word, and then going and doing what the word tells us to do, whether it's an internal thing where we need to make some uh, uh, some um, sin offerings to the Lord in the sense that we say, Lord, forgive us of our sin and cleanse us, First John chapter 1 and verses 8 through 10. Or it's because he's called us to be disciples and called us to be disciple makers. And so we read the scripture, we prepare our hearts, and then we pray for divine appointments where we can minister to people. Or we can love on people and we can show forth the love of God. And the greatest way to show forth the love of God in people's lives is to tell them that there is a God who sent his son to die for us. That we might spend eternity with him. To give hope. Speaking of hope, let's look at First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse thirteen says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. It doesn't say we don't grieve the loss of those who went before us, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. See, the teaching had gone around that, that the people uh, who had died would not be a part of the rapture and not be a part of the church. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So you don't have to worry about those. You can still grieve, but you don't grieve as those who have no hope because when Christ appears, he's going to bring them back with him. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. They're going to beat us there. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, 
and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up to, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is the difference between the rapture and the second coming. At the second coming, he touches the Mount of Olives. He lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. In the rapture, he comes and we meet him, we meet him in the air. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We encourage one another with these words because it is a true fact that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. And because he's coming back for his church, John says we need to purify ourselves. We need to cleanse ourselves because the scripture says he's coming back for a church without spot and without wrinkle. And why is that important for us to know? Because we know that Jesus is returning for us and he's returning for a church without spot or wrinkle. We need to examine ourselves daily to make sure we're in the faith. And how do we know we're in the faith? We are applying the word of God to our lives. We're reading it. We're applying the word to, of God to our lives. And we're asking God to change us, to transform us, and to continue to do his work in us. We are regenerated, means that we're born again. We're justified, meaning that he's taking care of our sins for us, past, present, and future, but we don't hold on to any sin. We keep short records, as I've said, and we deal with our sin. We ask the Lord to forgive us, to cleanse us of our sin, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10. We admit that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Romans chapter 3, 10 says, and there are none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We recognize that we are sinners. But in recognizing that we are sinners born in this flesh and we are created by God, once we recognize our sin, we submit our sins to the Lord and he forgives us. He gives us the ability, John 1, to become children of God. And in that process, just like, just like uh, earthly children, there is growth. Spiritual children need to grow. But there's our part of that growth as well. And that's why verse 3 says, And everyone who has this hope, what hope? The hope of his appearing purifies himself as he is pure. John deals with sin a lot in this. It's because John wanted us not to shrink back or to be ashamed at, his return, at Jesus' return, at Jesus' coming. He wanted us to just be looking up and be excited and be ready because we are the uh, we are the bride of Christ and the bride needs to be pure and holy. It says this, because we know that he is coming back, we purify ourselves. He is righteous, therefore we must practice righteousness. That is an ongoing theme in here. And right in the middle of it, in chapter three of five chapters, he deals with the Lord's return. And he deals with the Lord's return as hope, but also to get us to prepare for his return. And how do we prepare? We examine ourselves daily. We ask God to cleanse us of anything that would be in our lives um, that would keep us back from growth, that would keep us from being an example of righteousness to a world that so desperately needs to know what righteousness and true righteousness is. So the Father loves us, Jesus died for us, and the Holy Spirit lives within us. And that should cause us to want to be more like Christ. Not a better version of ourselves, but we need to be more 
like Christ. So let me pray for us. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you until we talk again.